0: Welcome to another Art of the Frame podcast on Pro Video Coalition. I'm your host, Scott Simmons. Today I'm chatting with Carla Gutierrez, and we talk about documentary editing and the documentary film, Julia, which tells the story of famed chef Julia Child. I wanted to have this chat with Carla because as one who also edits documentaries, often about a single character, I wanted to talk to her about her approach and how you can take the life of a person and condense it into sometimes 90 minutes. So we talk about that, we talk about her process for getting involved with all the different types of materials that documentaries often entail, her relationship in working with the directors, working with Adobe Premiere Pro, which this film was cut in. All in all, it was just a good editor to editor chat. Let's get going. Thanks, Carla, for sitting down with me today to talk about Julia. Now, for those of you that do not know Julia Childs, that you probably, I, I don't know how anyone would not recognize that name, especially recognize that voice that you can probably hear in your head. Julia is a documentary about the illustrious and famed chef, and it was a fun little piece that I was able to watch the other day. Carla, thanks for joining me for this uh, documentary chat.
1: Uh oh, thank you for having me. This is this is great. Thanks.
0: So one reason I wanted to uh, have the chat with you is, as an actor myself, I a lot of the documentary features that I have cut have been character based. They're they're a study and a, an exploration of one particular person, as is uh, Julia about Julia Child. So that's that's one reason I really wanted to um, to talk to you. Another one is that the first short film I did uh, when we were starting in film school was called cooking with julia's that's possessive cooking with julia's child and it was about her son doing a cooking show and he cut his finger off and we had not seen the dan Aykroyd sketch at that time so it was like (laughs) it's like it's like perfectly world a perfect full circle world that um that we that we come into there i want to ask you first like when you when you're telling the story of a person then I feel like as an editor, as a storyteller, you've got a little bit bigger weight on your shoulders than if maybe you're telling about an event or, you know, any kind of more abstract sort of topic I'm wondering how you and you could also talk about the directors that you worked with here because I think okay. you've worked with them in the past. Yes. I'm wondering that approach to saying, "All right, how can we be sure that we do this justice because we're telling this whole life within, you know, 90 minutes or or 2 hours?" Like what, you know, do you feel a burden that you've got to do it right because this may be the only chance that their story is told in this way?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's um I think that it's the the burden is really to make it as vivid as possible and for people to really, um, you know, to really be able to experience a person's lives. You know, the way that I think about it, and I've done a number of historical biographies at this point. I mean, RBG, when we worked on RBG and there, you know, with Julie Betsy and, I mean, with um, Julie Cohen and Betsy West, which are the same directors as Julia, Um, you know, RBG was at life at that time. So there was definitely... You know that weight of also um you know capturing somebody's um life and the, the importance that she had in our national history right, right. and she was, she was gonna watch it <laughs> so.
0: well let me just say just the, the few folks who may be listening rbg is ruth bader ginsburg who yes. was the supreme court justice in the in the u.s we do have some international listeners and that's a really another fantastic film to watch because it's it's i mean she has a uh a, a very large and important life that uh that you had to tell there but but same kind of thing. Single character.
1: Single character. A lot of archival. Um, I also worked on a film um, called Chavela about a Mexican singer um, with a lot of importance in Mexico. Um, but the way that I approach, um, you know, these biographies are um, um, not trying to. Include necessarily everything that they've done, because sometimes with this, you know, life stories, um, you can get into the trap of just making it a, a list of their accomplishments. Because you know, you feel like they need to include everything about their lives, and I think it's more important to really capture the spirit of their journey. So that's that's you know, those those are the type of conversations that that I have with the. Um, with the directors and it's been incredibly fruitful conversations with Julie and Betsy. I think like we really kind of understand each other and the way that we think and the way that we approach story is, you know, what is really the central journey of our character um, and to be true to that and to let the audience really like you know, get a sense of, get a a sense and a vivid experience of that journey. So there's sometimes a lot of decisions of things that we actually decide not to include because we, that takes away from, you know, for really, from really like experiencing the journey. So, so for example, with Julia, you know, she always talked about the challenges that she faced as an older woman getting into cooking, like, you know, really kind of following her passion. Um, But she really talked, she always spoke lightly about it. Like, oh yeah, you know, I did this and, 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 you know, I was, I was able to do this like easily or like, she didn't give it, like she, you know, she didn't talk about it as like true challenges and they were true challenges. So so we had to decide, you know, how do we really give the audience a sense of what she really faced, um, even though she talked about it in a very different way.
0: When you're working with a director, uh, and I think documentary directors are are very passionate about the subjects that they choose, because documentaries can often be very long processes to get to the to get to the screen. I was wondering, as an editor, where where you came into that process with on in R, or maybe RGB as well. I'm sorry, RBG as well. Yeah. Where did you come into that process as, as this movie was, uh, was, was taking, taking life?
1: Um, so with RBG, I mean, I usually come in um, when the directors have been working on their vision for a while and they start talking to editors, you know, like maybe early in production or, or halfway through production. Um, so so I usually come in when like most of the footage has been shot um but I really, really love to engage in conversation if possible uh, much earlier um so so with Julia, because we already had a relationship and they knew that they wanted to bring they wanted to bring me on board um you know as as soon as they got the idea to make that film um we started talking about it like you know in conversation whenever we saw each other and and about the vision that they have for it and 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 so so and, and and I love you know being able to be part of that you know uh, brainstorming of like how are you going to capture the the story, what questions are you going to ask your interviews? You know, what, what, what are the archival, you know, sources that you're finding and, and, and start even brainstorming, like what are the possibilities in the edit later on? I mean, it changes quite a bit based on the material that they get, but I think that that's also, I mean, I would tell filmmakers to, you know, to engage editors um, in, in conversation really early on, because, you know, they're thinking, you know, editors are, we're always thinking about like, how are we going to tell the story and what could be the limitations of the material maybe, or the possibilities more, more really kind of like the potential or the gift that the material can give us. And, and I think, you know, I think that could give, um, um, you know, a lot to think about to, to directors as they're shooting, and as they're finding their, yeah, as they're casting the film, and and even right, right. the questions that they might ask in the interviews.
0: Well, with documentaries, and th- whenever we, we talk about documentaries, I think it's always worth mentioning that documentary doesn't have a script like a scripted narrative thing has. You may have an outline, you may have a great idea of what that documentary might be, but as you're getting into the story, they have a way of twisting and turning, and sometimes completely, completely changing. Um, and with with that. Did you go into it with an outline or did the, had the directors um, given you, you know, a, a paper edit to work with? Or like how, like the first day you stepped in, I'm guessing you said most things have been shot. So you probably had interviews that have been captured. You had a lot of archi- archival. You mm-hmm. potentially had some of the beautiful food B-roll that was shot to kind of, you know, pepper in th- throughout the film to sort of help, help fill it up. What was your sort of first day like when you sat down in the edit chair and said, all right, here I go. We've got to make this thing happen
1: with Julian, Betsy, and this is something I suggest with other directors as well. We do not have a paper cut. They have a strong vision of what the that character's journey is, um, but we don't start with a with a script. So we um, so the first thing I do is you know get really familiar with the material, be able to kind of immerse myself and and also. Um, see what the gems are in the archival or uh, with Julia's case, you know, there were were like a great amount of beautiful, beautiful photographs um, that were actually taken by her husband. Um, So, you know, we started talking about like how, those photographs were very special because you're seeing Julia through the eyes of somebody that really loved her. So how are we going to use that or take advantage of that? So those are the conversations that we have. And, and then we, and then we usually talk about a potential um, narrative arc once I've become familiar with the material too. So that's something that we do together. um, After I've been, after I've read and watched all the interviews and watched a lot of the archival, Um, you know, with archival material, you can always also get more. So the shooting with, archi- with archival films, you know, the shooting, <laughs> in quotation marks, they can always happen because you can always send, you know, an archival researcher to find more material for you. So so in a way, the collecting of material is also informed by what do you want to do in the edit. And with Julia, also, they hadn't shot any of the food um, food. Ah, the food okay scenes yet so you know so the decisions that we were making in you know building the narrative arc also had an influence in what they were gonna shoot for example you know um we were working on a potential kind of like very sensual scene between julia and her husband and that you know determined that helped us decide what recipe to shoot for the beautiful food staff. And they shot this, um, oh my God, I'm going to forget the name of the, of the recipe, but
0: they can be quite complex. So that, yeah, the-
1: it was it was you know pears cooking in boiling water is you know it's, and you know with cream at the end and so it, it so we came up with the what recipe to shoot based on a scene that we were already building. Um, so that's how you know that's how the conversation how, that's how the building of the story in the edit can influence. You know, um, getting more footage or finishing the the
0: shoot. Let me ask you a question on that. So, um, if the if you didn't have the B roll, and as people see the film, they will understand what we're talking about because often you got to have B roll to fill in things in documentaries where you may not have the stuff to look at. You got to have something to look at. We're watching a movie; it's on the screen. You got to see stuff. You know, b- bottom line. Were you um, were you able to build out the story and sort of leave black holes and, and give suggestions? All right, here's where I don't have anything. I don't have enough supporting stuff to cover what what were this part of the story and and, and you were a, were you able to suggest that b-roll there or did was it sort of a give and take with the directors as, as you guys decided what what you needed to capture to, to you know to help cover everything
1: yeah so we knew i mean the plan to shoot in Julia's case specifically the plan to shoot the this beautiful you know um very like control like close-ups of you know amazing food being made the way that Julia made it. That was that was their original idea from the beginning. Um, but I did build a bunch of scenes, knowing that we had the opportunity to shoot food. And we just really tried to capture kind of the essence of the scene with music and voiceover and the interviews. Um, we played, you know, we played with archival in those scenes as well, but um, but knowing that we were gonna get, we were gonna be able to play with other footage. Um, gotcha. So we were already thinking about, yeah, how that footage would come in, and obviously when that footage came in, we had to revise some of those scenes heavily. Because of the opportunities that we had once that footage came in.
0: Um, so there's a good point for editors and documentaries to realize to to point out is that there are times when you have some your your path is going some way and we kind of talked about this already but you may just get new footage in and suddenly it gives you different ideas and you and yes. I think with documentaries you can it's you know it's like a river meandering you can sort of change direction as long as you sort of end up in the same place sometimes and I think I think that's I think that's okay I mean were you trying different things as you went along or did you just I guess you probably had an ideas you've got new stuff in
1: yes to me it's always like what is the intention for that segment and how that that segment would fit into the large picture of the entire film so the intention of you know i mean we were capturing really kind of like the romantic love between you know two main characters in our film um, so that's what you go for. Um, but editing is is really kind of a series of decisions. and part of the decisions that you have to make in the edit is to really let go of things that cannot work. Because you know that once once you get new material or once you you know um, like start revising something, you just have to be able to like just let go of your initial like little ideas of how to capture the essence, right? The intention, this like romantic moment in the film for this scene specifically, um, and just try new things. Once you e- either have more opportunities with new material coming in. Or because you can just make it a lot better if you try it in a very different way. Um, so, so editing is always, you know, I always say that is, you know, it's like making very decisive choices, but also being able to let go of those very decisive choices in the next revision.
0: Oh yes, great advice. I love, I love that. Uh, one, one cool thing about the film is that you also obviously have a lot of interviews, but. You know, Julia had a very distinct voice. And I I think it was a brilliant uh move to sort of mention that very early on in the in the film because it's what everybody's thinking when they hear her voice. It's like, wow, what an interesting voice she has. And yeah, and that little mention of it kind of kind of I almost think it's an audience member, it's sort of a little bit of a release that that you know the audience member says, Oh, they think the same thing that I do, because you know, she, she did have a very distinct voice. But she kind of narrates the whole piece, and I'm assuming that was came out of a lot of uh, archival interviews that, that you had to work with. And I, I'm wondering if that was that an original, like uh, the plan early on, or did you, did that sort of develop as you're working through? And I, I also was wondering how many different interviews that you had to work with, to be able to get her sort of narration to, to you know, to be that thread through the whole piece.
1: Well, I'm so glad that you feel that, you know, that, the film really does a good job in capturing her voice and allowing her to narrate most of her story because we actually kind of had very limited material of, you know, of her voice. And Ah. many of the interviews we had were, you know, were heavily edited sometimes. Um, So um, it's, you know, I think again, it's like the choice of like, where does her voice made the most impact and I think that, like, if you feel like you're really hearing her, even if it's like you know, very if we only had very few sound bites to work with, then hopefully we did our job into like yeah. really capturing her heart, and she feels much more present than maybe you know she was sound sound wise. Um, but yeah, with her, we didn't really have that much archival material to work with compared to what we had for RPG, for example. Um, so we just, you know we try to use it as, as strategically and to, you know, to have the most emotional impact as possible. And it sounds like we did our job. <laughs> well, it did.
0: Now, now that you say that I'm thinking back while I was watching it, you know, she obviously you had a, you had a, you know, a decent amount of, of her on screen cooking when she was on her own yeah. show and other shows and things like that. And you, as you're going through, you hear her voice obviously when she's on screen a lot doing things, but then you do hear those strategically placed um, voiceover pieces of her voice. And again, it's so distinctive, you know, suddenly when you hear it. But as you're talking that I'm thinking to myself, what an, what an example of crafting it very well, because I it felt to me like, you know, she was a nice thread throughout the whole thing. And she was, but awesome. she probably didn't do as much You know, quote unquote, voiceover, as I really think she did. Now that now that I'm done watching, so I'm gonna go back and kind of watch it again. But I think you did you successfully placed it in the right spots.
1: I think it was also a combination of making sure that um, you know that she was very present. I mean, all her obviously we had a lot of video of her in from her cooking shows, but she's only talking about like how the recipe, right? Mm -hmm. But also but you get a sense of her personality. So I think it was the dance between her personality in the show but but then using those moments of voiceover very strategically so that you could get a complete picture of her. We also use, you know, something that I that shows you, you know, when you're facing limitations in in the footage, obviously we didn't have a lot of audio of her, but there were letters between her and her family um, yes. And also her husband's letters that we use, we try to really kind of build from as well, and that ended up. Oh, there goes my dog. <laughs>
0: that
1: ended up being, to me, like incredibly successful to really, um, to really express you know the changing feelings that that her and her husband uh, were having when they were falling in love. Um, so that's you know that's a good example of like. When you have limitations, it makes you look at material at all the you know the material that you do have in a different way, and sometimes sometimes you know you end up with I think something even more intimate and and better. Um, but you have to be really open to the, that opportunity, um, you know. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I guess her her husband was probably always going to be a, a very central character. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I was going to call him a supporting character, but I think he was and He was definitely, you know, uh, he supported her. But as far as, you know, traditional movie structures go, I, I would not call him a supporting character. I would call him a, a main character. Mm-hmm. What, was, he, was the plan to always have him a, as important of a character in the film? Or, or did that sort of develop as you were kind of getting into, you know, just his life?
1: Well, I think, you know, I love I love hearing Julie and Betsy talk about the way that they approach stories because they have made <laughs> they're making a career like really, you know, sh- making like amazing feminist romantic movies, I feel. <laughs> um, you know, they yeah, they they go for like feminist romance. Um mm-hmm. and this was definitely it. Um um so they knew that from the beginning i mean once they started doing the early development and the research um they knew from the very start that you know he had such an impact on her you know uh, exploring passions of traveling and food and so that he was going to be always central to her story um and that's what they you know explain and transmitted to me um and guided me through as i was you know, listening to the material and listening to the interviews. Um, gotcha. Yes. Yeah, so again, that vision, you know, with with them especially, I mean, they're just such great directors and filmmakers. That vision is that big picture vision is always there. Uh, and then it's on me to like help them, you know, collaborate with them and make that you know, make that vision as vivid as possible.
0: I think you know with with the, her husband. The you mentioned the photographs, the really nice photographs that really helped sort of tell that story between the two of them, very very well. I love the I love the shot there. Uh, my the, when he I don't I'm not giving anything away. I don't think, but he as his health was declining. Um, my mom had very similar health issues near the end of her life, and you've got that one. And I won't say what the health issue was people get to watch the film. Um There's that one shot of them each looking out a window, like like a roof, uh, you know, like a window and a roof, like a skylight kind of thing. And they're looking out different, when they're different photos, they're looking out different windows. But as they're talking about his health issues, you know, the, it's sort of having, you know, those photos was able sort of to connect them and also to connect that, you know, his his health decline in in a very interesting way that how to visually show things sometimes when you're talking about something like that it can, it can be tricky and you're you only have what you have sometimes to work with and, and using those two separate photos of them but in very similar situations i thought was a great connection as they were talking about um his you know his, his health decline yeah, that, that was- thank
1: you and i want to give a, sh- a shout out to um to our associate editor grace Mendenhall because she edited that segment
0: Ah, nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She was just fantastic at it. And yeah, she took that uh, scene early on. As I was doing the early romance um, scenes, she, yeah, she, she made that happen. So that's her magic.
0: Talk about that relationship a second with an associate editor. How did, were you passing scenes off to her to, And, and was, uh, did you have an assistant editor as well, or is it just the two of you? Give me a little bit on that, um, on that dynamic there.
1: It was a two of us. Um, so she, I've worked with her in three films. Um, uh, now and i'm refusing to work with her again because she's doing she needs to be doing her own editing
0: and that's what she's doing firing someone so they can move on to better things i, yes. love, I love that i'm firing you out of love yeah
1: <laughs> I, I told her like this is so painful for me to let you go because i've just loved working with her and she yeah she knows how i think and she's the first eyes like i always show her my early scenes first. Um so it's it's just like an incredibly it's been incredibly um fluid relationship where I get, you know, I get a lot out of her feedback as well. And and so yeah, we worked on on RBG together, another film called Pray Away where she together one of the hardest scenes for that film a veritas scene and
0: that's a good watch as well uh especially if you're if you grew up from a religious background I, w- I would recommend pray away as a uh, put it on the top of your list
1: oh thank you yeah and it's it, it's a tough film the scene that she edited was pretty tough so anyways yeah this is a collaboration that's been happening for a long time and i've seen grace really grow um, and, you know, kind of like learn the craft. And it's been really great to see how she handles Verite and archival now. And, you know, I mean, to me, like assistant editors and associate editors are really kind of like the unsung heroes of documentary filmmaking. Because, you know, I mean, it really, like editing really starts from the very beginning and it's all about media management and being like having systems and being incredibly organized. And they're, you know, they're really kind of like the foundation that keeps the production and the post production you know, together and, and, and standing. Um, so, so yeah, to all the assistant editors out there, like we editors love you very
0: much. (laughs) Well, now this film was cut on, on premiere and you mentioned organization. Let's talk about that for, uh, for a second. Um, were you working with, with transcripts, uh, for all these interviews or is your process, did you sit in there with markers making your own notes or, you know, you've, you've got a lot of interviews that you have to, you have to start whittling them down into what gets in, in the film. I'd love to hear a little bit about your about your process once you it can be daunting to see, oh, I've got, you know, 17 hours of interviews and my movie's gonna be less than two hours. How do you go about that process of whittling those things down?
1: Um, so for this film, we had about 25 to 30 interviews, I believe. Um, and I um, I personally like to do all the things that you mentioned. I'd like to have transcripts for the films that I can highlight. And I um, kind of organize them in themes, so later on in the process, I can find um, sound bites uh, quickly. Um, in that way, I mean, I know that a lot of people do searches by, you know, keyword or just like words in the transcripts, but I I'd like to be able to just see you know, um, see my transcripts organized thematically um, really quickly as well. Um, But I, at the same time that I'm reading the transcripts, I am watching the interviews because for me, um, you know, the way to treat interviews um, that work the best for me is to really be able to Reveal personality, like even when they're talking about Julia, it's like how to reveal Julia's personality through the memories of somebody else. So it is so much about how somebody's telling a story. What is the, you know, the light in their eyes? Like how are they revealing the way that they remember those anecdotes? Um, and you know, not not only what they're saying. So it's really really important for me to become familiar with the person. Um, in front of the camera um, as much as to with the content that they're, they're, they're saying. Um, and yeah, I mean, but it's also like, you know, in terms of just organization, it's also really incredibly important to, you know, to know how to sync interviews well, so mm-hmm. that you don't lose the sync in the future. I mean, premiere is great at that um, to be able to, to set markers, you um, um, and, you know, and have, you know, Grace would also add her own markers in the interviews, um, and to, you know, be able to differ- differentiate what we were being, what we were reacting to, um, what we loved, uh, from the interviews.
0: Let me ask you a question here on that. You cut this, obviously there was, uh, I don't know if there's kind of been this pandemic thing going on. So I don't, were you working together in shared space were each of you working in your, in your own, in your own places with, um, with duplicates of media? I'm just curious if how, and and did the directors come in and sit with you or did you do this all remotely? It's always fascinating in the pandemic world we're living in is how people adapt to this. And sometimes it's like, no, you know, ever, ever, people are starting to come together again under the same roof to kind of do it the old fashioned way. I'm just, I'm, I'd love to hear how that worked.
1: So with this one, um, we were working with mirror drives um, and we had been doing that for a while. So we really knew, you know, what worked for us really well. Um, And we were just kind of like exchanging sequences. Um, Since then, I've had a chance to play, to work with productions, premiere productions, which which I found, you know, the flow of that, of the teamwork is incredible with that. Um, So that's what I would, you know, that's what I'm going to end up doing for future projects, even if it's just two of us working on a project. Um, And then... um, and then we work remotely with the directors. I mean, it was the beginning we started. Thank goodness that they had done most of the shooting before the pandemic started. Um, and we had started doing a couple of months together. And then we just had to all pack our staff and go to our respective homes. Um, And it was an easy transition for us because obviously we had worked together before. So we had this, you know, very trusting collaboration and a common language. Um, I do love to be in the room with the directors uh, in the same room a lot, especially towards the end of the project, um, because I just think that there is this, you know, I mean, it's it's just also good to just like hang out with the people you're collaborating with. There is, you know... I think that there is some magic that happens when you're like laughing through the process and you're getting to know the people through the process. Um, you know, it just kind of like makes it collaboration Um, more intimate and more trusting. And that's what a film
0: needs. It's also often faster because you can get work through issues much quicker when you're in the same room than you can sending cuts back and forth and notes and things
1: like that. Your directors have like facial reactions when you're showing them something or like if they get giddy at the beginning, it's just like, okay, this is a good sign. Or if they like, you know, do not react. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you're, and you're expecting one. That can be the worst feeling in the world. Yeah, you're like, oh. but
1: it's, 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 yeah. I love watching. I also watch scenes differently when I'm watching, when I'm showing them, when I'm screening them to other people. I mean, that's very much true when, when I'm, you know, showing rough cuts, it's like I have a different experience watching our rough cuts when there are other people in the room. Um, and I'm able to see, the problems um, or what needs to be done in it just cause it just, it's kind of like a stepping away and being able to see the big picture
0: right.
1: um, and get, you know, immediate feedback, like again, physical feedback from the people around you that just makes you watch the film in a different way.
0: Working in Premiere, did you are did you set up uh, select sequences with things like like B roll? Are you sort of putting um I was, I was like a little bit the organization side of things. Do you keep are you organizing by by um, person by interview or do all your interviews go into say in one bin, all your archivals in one? I'd just love to hear a little bit about you know because again it can be daunting on a doc because you have so much stuff as opposed to a narrative film when everything is sort of purposefully shot by scene take number and that thing on documentaries, it's just a different world because you have so much stuff flowing in from all these different directions and not, and so much different types of types of materials as, as well. I mean, I, I, you know, on a big doc attempt to sort of transcode everything into a, into pro res or even a, an offline proxy format just for, for offline as opposed to, you know, bringing in so much different types of stuff. I just love to hear your. It's almost like the technical talk that people want to know how projects like this are set up. Because because you were on this, so I'm guessing for months and months and months. It's not. Yes. It's not. I'm on a couple of weeks and I'm off.
1: Definitely. I mean, when you're working with such a big monster, and I know Premiere is great at taking any kind of format into the software, but when you're working with like so so many hours of of footage and archival, and they're all like different codecs and. Um, for us, it's always been really great. Um, and also to prep for the online transition. Um, for us, it's always been really great to, you know, transcode everything to Apple ProRes. Um, so we do that at the very beginning. And as archival material is coming in, we continue to do that. Um, also, you know, setting up all the, all the pictures, uh, photographs, you know, um, um into a format that is not too big for you know ah, to yes. the computer to just start bugging down later on in the project when we are again handling so many hours and like really long timelines um so we definitely do that um i organize i'm an editor that likes to organize things on the browser a lot like on bins um mm-hmm. i don't really work off other timelines my timelines are very much where i edit um but, you know, but organization works differently for different editors. Um, but yes, I like to have all my interviews in one bin um, and then organize interviews just by name and not have like really long, you know, long names for the clips. Um, and then my arch- archival, like I usually organize it based on like the personal archival, the archival of, you know, our main character. And then, and then we have a lot of uh, a bin for historical archival, like everything, you know, that that really gives you the texture, the contextual texture of you know the world that your main character was in, um, or any events that you're that you're going to show um, that are, are where you know where you're showing like World War you know World War Two or you know images where your main character is not in it. Um, and I always think you know I always think of B roll not as B roll. For me, the visuals are you know. I'm stealing this from another editor, but like I refer to it as a roll. you know, the visuals are as important as the content in the interviews.
0: I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the the, the, the food stuff you guys shot that I, I kept calling B-roll, but you're right. It is a very integral part of the whole story, not just because it's covering what you you, you need to cover something up. It's It really helps you sort of feel what she's talking about because her her passion for the food comes across when you hear Julia Child talking, and you see her doing her thing. And when you're cutting away from seeing her, you still got to stay in that sort of food feeling. I think that uh, that b roll that you guys shot did uh, did a good job of um, of doing just that. Now you mentioned you, you mentioned something really important talking about Premiere is transcoding and like reducing sort of like your steels into a manageable size. Because I I have an article on uh, Pro Video Coalition, and it's called. How I added to the complex feature documentary in Adobe Premiere Pro with no crashes.
1: <laughs> we did not have one crash in Julia.
0: And I th- and this is why I want to like sort of pause and note this. If you prep your footage properly, then you it, you can work so fast and so stable because the, the one of the pluses of Premiere is it can take anything you throw at it. But that can be a minus too because you can overload any system with so many different formats. I was working a job one time and we were having stability issues and we went in and some of the, um, the, the photo, the photographs we had to use were like, there was hundreds of them that were 10,000 pixels wide. They were humongous, like 500 DPI's. Nothing could handle that. It can, you can, you can bring it in, but you can't work with it. So you have to, you know, when you're working on big jobs, you have to have the responsibility of properly prepping it for your own, you know, for your own sanity. And I think, you know, it's a good lesson in how to properly prep and you have a much smoother experience in any uh, editing application, in any technical stuff you're working Yeah. With, so.
1: And also, I mean, I think that, you know, one thing that is always important for, for the teams that I work on um, and that I always suggest is talk to your people. Like, go talk to the post house that is probably gonna handle your that that job or you know even call the two post houses that you're thinking about using uh, and talk to them about how to prep the material like at the beginning of the process how they work you know get information about the latest changes in the software so that you can be prepared for that yep um and then and then call you know call adobe <laughs> talk to them like start a relationship from the beginning because they're You know, they're thinking about this all the time and how to make things easier for us. Um, So build a relationship. They're there to help us and they have been amazingly accessible. And, you know, and we've just gotten so much, so, so many resources and information at the very beginning. If you spend the time at the beginning, then you will go through the project You know, with no crushes. Trust me, like it happens, but you have to invest on the time at the beginning. Don't rush it. All the media organization, even all the watching of the footage that you do at the beginning, it feels like it's taking long to start your film, but it's not. Like all of that time is going to serve you, it's going to make, you know, things later in the process so much easier and so much faster.
0: Absolutely. And
1: yeah. So, so in, in that early phase, yeah.
0: The prep time in the front end pays big dividends in, so, in the back end. And I, yeah. I think that's what a lot of people in post-production don't understand. But on, on big jobs, it's just um, absolutely imperative. Yeah. It was you know, Speaking of prep, this is one question I meant to ask earlier is how um, do you have a researcher and an argument, an archivist, how does the relationship work? With, with a researcher or an archivist throughout a process like this because there are times when you mentioned having to go out and find more stuff. Did you have the luxury of just asking for certain things and you had a team that went out and, f- and found that stuff or was it was there a certain point where it's like, no, uh, this is all you're going to get, Carla. Cut with what you have. We have nothing else.
1: Oh, no, I'm always asking for more stuff when it comes to archival. <laughs> um, we had an amazing archival researcher for Julia who was In the same at the very beginning we were in the same room here's another example of like you know being the same space with your team that can be you know great so I would like actually like call her into the room and be like like listen to this interview or listen to Julia like talk about you know markets in Paris and like so we need to find this like you know let's like what do we you know it's like she's talking about like her watery mouth when she's looking at like all the you know all the cheeses in. So let's go find that archival. Um, and and then and then that got the researcher excited about it. And then we would spend quite a bit of time. Like she would show me stuff, and it's just like, no, we need more of this. With with the markets, for example, we ended up getting better stuff in black and white that we did in color for some reason. The black and white archival that we found. It just capture the essence of the markets and the people looking at the you know the products in a better way than the the color archival that we found. So what that's what we, what we ended up uh, ended up um, using, but it's that collaboration. I mean that's you know an ongoing collaboration. Um, and when you you know when you're working with such a great team as the Julius team, you know you have access to continue that collaboration and continue. I never got a no from her. That's good. <laughs> like, That's good. What you get. Um, so we we kept talking about like, oh, let's see, if we can find something a little bit more yeah. delicious out there.
0: <laughs> how how was her, um, her estate working working with? Because I've worked on uh, character projects before, where you don't always get the most collaboration out of the estate or the children or you know whoever sort of controls the uh, the image at that point. Were they were they good to work with? Did they kind of at some point they can throw their hands up and say, all right, we've given you everything we have. How how did that?
1: No, they were amazing. And that's, you know, that's also a testament to, to the incredible directing um, and leading that Julie and Betsy do. I mean, it's, you know, those are like the questions that you pose at the very beginning of a film. It's like, what do we have? What is the, uh, what are the potential assets that we can have for this film? And that's going to determine how well we can tell the story. And, and that's, you know, that's what they're so great at, like getting that access and understanding how, you know, how can we tell the story? Not only what the story is, but how can we tell it in the best possible way? Sure. So they already had, you know, established such an incredible relationship with, um, you know, the state with um, uh, Julia's grandnephew who had, who um, I'm sorry, nephew who, who had, um, you know, written a a book about her. I mean, these are all relationships that, you know, Julia and Betsy started from the very beginning. Um, So it was, it was beautiful. Like we were getting these beautiful photographs from her family Um, in the middle of the edit. And it was so exciting to open the packages and see, you know, how well kept they were and the fact that we could even scan them ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it was incredible access that Julie and Betsy got.
0: As an editor, it's it's great when you're working on a project and you have... You have good relationship with with the people you know the, the camp of the people the, the story you're telling and you'll get this package in the mail or, or, or an email or with the download and you're just and you see all this great stuff that you know you can use it's a really really great feeling I, you know there are docs when when you're telling a different type of story and the subject does not want the story to be told and you're yes. probably not getting um, lots of archival from folks like that but in this case it makes sense because you know the estate wants the the story to be told well uh, as well so it only uh, it, it behooves them to provide that access so it can be told well it sounds like they did they did just that
1: and uh and there's so much love for her out there um that you know i mean they're incredibly um generous with you know with really sharing her to the
0: world i've got uh one one more question and then i'll, I'll um that i have my list here so it's rated pg-13 and you're like, why PC thirteen? But there's, I, w- I won't give away the three Fs. But there's this discussion of the three Fs that come out in the um, in one of the in one of the interviews, and I was wondering. Was there a thought about not including that? Because I'm guessing that's probably what took it to PG-13 versus versus just a, P, a PG rating. I was I was wondering about that little bit of, of the story.
1: No, I mean there, there was discussion about how to include it well.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. When you're watching in it and they go into this little bit, you're kind of like, "Oh wow, it's very unexpected." I think, and as, yeah. as the story went along, what in, in my mind it's like, "Oh, it was great. Like it added this extra little level of oomph.
1: Yeah. And you know that's one of the the reasons why I love working with these ladies so much. Um, it's because, um, sorry, my dog is coming back, so you're gonna hear some barking. <laughs> um, uh, with Julia and Betsy, because um, you know they're they're really capturing the essence of of women. Um, in a way that they haven't—they haven't been seen before in our histories, and part of that is like, you know, showing them in full force and all the layers of an older woman and their sexiness and their se- sensual beings as well. And you know, I mean, that's something that we discuss with RBG, with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's like, you know, to see. This older woman on camera, and not to shy away from it, and right. and also to to show her in a way that that's powerful and that's sexy, and you know, and the power of you know of her her knowledge and her wisdom on her wrinkles, and to us, as to us, as really important, and it, it was the same thing for Julia. You know, I think that some of the images that you see in Julia um, on the media and you know in film before this um they shy away a little bit from it. And I think that they they, you know, they hadn't really shown all the layers of a complete woman. Um, and it's it's more only the, you know, the interesting voice, only the, you know, comedy. Um, you know, and I and I think that it's just really, I don't know. I mean, like to me, it really shows the 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 complete power of a woman like this and really understand The strength of her passion and and discipline, and and that's part of you know her, yeah, an older woman that found passion late in life, that had a full marriage in in all senses of the word, and that was always important for us to share completely.
0: Well, it definitely comes across. And I think it's an it's an expiring film for, you know, of, of all ages. But I, I think the fact that it is an, an older woman that is a lot of the story, you know, it, I think that's really it's a really enjoyable, enjoyable watch. So Julia hits theaters first. First, I believe uh, you'll have to look at it, look for it at a theater near you. And I don't—is it—is there a streaming deal where to look for it after it leaves theaters yet, or is that to be determined?
1: Well, it's a CNN Films, so um, it will be broadcast on CNN at some point. I don't know exactly when, um, and and I don't know if, it, if if in a different streaming platform as well. But uh,
0: yeah, Leave that to the executives—they they figure all that stuff out. So
1: I'm excited about this because um, you know. Yeah, I'm really excited because I think it, I think there's a, an an audience that is waiting for her out there, and yeah, I'm excited for it to go as you know to to just really be able to meet the audiences everywhere in the nation.
0: Yeah, well, I would encourage uh, especially people who love food, um, you you got to check it out, Carla. Thanks for sitting down for this little chat about how to do your process and telling the story. Um, until we talk again, thanks a lot.
1: All right, thanks.